Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hi, my name is Olivia Young, coach of the Flyers. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Fairby. Hi, this is Bob Clark. Hey, you're listening to Snow the goalie. 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 Oh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Snow the Goalie. The People's Podcast, the Players Podcast, the Prognosticators Podcast, the PDLA Podcast, the Pampers Podcast, the Only Flyers Podcast. And it's a great time to be here with the Only Flyers Podcast with Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter at Anne and with Chris Terrian, with good old Bundy who you can find on Twitter at Cterian6 because training camp is opening, which means it's time for some real hockey talk. Uh, plenty of things to get into. The injury bug has already bitten this team, and Anthony's already down at Voorhees at the no longer Flyers skate zone with his, uh, his mask in tow. Yeah. So, Anthony, I guess let me, let me start with you. How are you feeling down there? You uh, – I'm great. Enjoying yourself. It's great to be back. I was here for the, you know, the early, early morning guys. I was the first person to arrive uh, in the parking lot, believe it or not. Uh, I was here so early that the front door wasn't open. (laughs) So I had to sit in my car for a little bit. Bundy, Um, does that make him a groupie? No, that just makes him one of the hardest workers that we have at Snow the Goalie. And quite frankly, one of the hardest workers that we have in the media, period. Nobody (laughs) shows up. When the doors are locked, except <laughs> that right there, baby. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Oh boy. Um, but yeah, no, it's good. It's uh, 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 the ice is uh, the Flyers' ice is right behind me. The first uh, uh, group is on the ice right now, and uh, you know, everybody's looking at the line combinations and everything else, and already talking about what this means for the year. And we'll get into that stuff. But it's, uh, I just got to say, it's good for uh, good to have hockey back and 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 be back looking at a new season. It's always exciting. Bundy, yeah. how are you? Uh, how are you feeling coming into uh, the start of training camp? Can you give give people an idea of what it feels like as a player to to come back? Is it akin to uh, going back to the first day of school? Is there anything quite like that feeling of camp opening? Yeah, you know what? I hated it actually. Like I did. It was just it, it did. You want to know why, Russ? I think because it felt like the first day of school, right? And then you're kind of getting acclimated. You know, they go through their physicals. Then they had media day yesterday, which is consuming. You know, you got to get your pictures taken, your, your videos for your the TV production. Um, and then you get right into it. But most guys have been skating for a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, you know, in, in the building. And uh, they just prepare for, for this, uh, this moment. But really the first few days at Duff Camp, I hated it. I liked week two better than I liked week one because it was just everything was more in flow. And I just thought it was a lot, just a lot more uh, organized. There were some bodies that had already been removed. I got dogs jumping all over me right now. And uh, you know what? And that that's all good. What's up, pal? And um, and so I did. So I just liked more where the train had already gotten rolling a little bit. And I thought that that was, you know, that was much better week two when, when there was some, you know, kids got sent back to junior and uh, stuff like that. So, yeah. 
For those who are who are not watching on the YouTube channel right now, over on the uh, Crossing Broad channel, um, Bundy's dog was just uh, I don't know that was like a cat. Yeah, there's like three, very cat, very cat like. There's two of them. Going, there's a white one and a black one, and they're both like they're both like unbelievable. They're just amazing little guys. They, uh, yeah, they must have come in from somewhere and just uh, decided to leap up here and say hi to the crew this morning. That's so, awesome. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Certainly not a bad thing. No, yeah. dogs are great no matter what it is. Doesn't matter if they're on video, off video, wherever. They're the best. They are fantastic. Um, so the Flyers start camp, Bundy, uh, minus some players. Um, yeah. the, the most, uh, the, the three names, well, the two most important names are Kevin Hayes, uh, out six to eight weeks with abdominal surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and the, the concerning thing about that is, is he had a, a similar uh, abdominal injury earlier uh, from the last season that was taken care of earlier in the, in the summer. Um, and then this kind of occurred, this is a separate injury. This occurred just when he was skating the other day. And then they, you know, they took him in to get checked out. And it's like, now you need surgery on this now. So that's going to keep him out six to eight weeks, which probably takes you about 10 games into the season. Um, Wade Allison has a high ankle sprain, which is he's out indefinitely. Um, and, and that's, that's a concerning thing because, you just don't know when that thing heals, when he gets back. And um, we were talking off air. You said that could, that could linger for the entire year. And then Sam Moran has uh, had, not that it was a big deal, not that anybody talked about this on Twitter or anything, but he had not a- Not that um, it was significant. Uh, not, that it was, not that it's significant. He had a uh, right knee surgery uh, and he's out six to eight weeks as well. Um, so they, they come into camp a little bit shorthanded. Uh, you know, let, let's talk about Kevin Hayes first. That's got to be the biggest impact, right? Because now you got to rely on a younger player to kind of come in and fill a role that you were expecting a veteran to fill right off the top. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at that, you know, if you take a look just at with the with the uh, the injuries today, and you got Morgan Frost, right? He's elevated straight up to the pretty much the top of the of the food chain. So, you know that that's what happens when the injuries you you know an opportunity will open up for somebody else. So, you know, um, the Hayes one, you know you don't ever want to pick up injuries at the end of the summer, you know, where you're saying to yourself, Hey, is this, you know, you want to get those things rectified in April and May, but if something else came back, you know, poor Kevin too, you know, he's gone through that thing, you know, his brother, uh, the, the sudden death of his brother. And you know, guys, I can speak to that. I went through the exact same thing. You know, I lost a sister suddenly at 32 years old and I know it was towards the end of my career, but that would have been, that took such a long time, like mentally to be able to have to, to get through that and to mourn and, and, um, you know, that's a tough start to any season, irregardless or regardless of, of the situation with his with his abdominal surgery. The Wade Allison injury, Anthony, is, is the one I'd probably be the most concerned with, because, as you said, those things can linger and they linger. They can linger for all year. I've seen guys with them where they try to come back and play. They can essentially be in a lot of ways like uh, equivalent to a, knee, a, a serious knee injury, you know, where you could it could take four to six months sometimes. Uh, so that's why it's indefinite. And that's uh, one of the issues that, that they're dealing with that. And then Sam's injury, of course, like, I mean, he's, it's at this point, unfortunately, he's just got bad, he's got bad knees. Right. And I mean, it could, an injury could happen to him at any time, you know, and whether it was now, I mean, I don't even know what happened with this one, right. If it was, if it was just a, uh, uh, an injury that happened in regular drills or a scrimmage, just playing pickup hockey before camp, that would have to be, that's a serious concern, right. For, for the, for the people to think that that could happen that easily. So, you know, we wish, we always wish Sam well, we love him. He's a great guy. I mean, I, he's a guy I, I always cheer for and always will. It's just that, like, and I said it on Twitter the other day, Anthony, you know, when, 
when you put it out about the injury that, you know, some guys get stung by that injury bug, man. And it's amazing. That thing just keeps coming for them through their entire career. And unfortunately, I think that's probably what's happens with Sam. Well, I think we let's, let's back up, I guess, one second to the, the Allison thing, this high ankle sprain. Can you explain to people why a high ankle sprain is such a devastating injury, especially for hockey? You know, like, I think a lot of times people think of high ankle sprains with basketball or with football and, and you think about limited mobility and, and the way that it can kind of nag. But can you explain to the people who might not otherwise really understand the, the difference here? Why is a high ankle sprain so devastating for a hockey player specifically? Yeah, well, part of it's because of the skate, right? You have the skate boot that goes all the way up your ankle. So when you have that thing tied up now, and the guys have always taped, you know, around the ankles and stuff to give it that extra support. The problem is if you twist it up that high, there's it's all ligaments, tendons, and bone that get into that high ankle. You know, everyone in their life has twisted their ankle, right? When you're running and you, you just kind of like maybe turn it inwards or turn it outwards. Those are ge- general, uh, you know, ankle sprains that sometimes can take, you know, sometimes you can play the next game with them. Sometimes it'll be a week or two. A high ankle sprain has so much stuff just above, like below where you're at the top where your shin bone begins, that all those tendons and ligaments just can't heal. So when you do put your skate boot back on and you try to push off again, it's really, really difficult. And quite frankly, it's, it's very painful at the same time. I've seen guys try to come through it. And you're always saying you they got to come up with a different name for the high ankle sprain because most of the time people are like, it's just an ankle sprain. No, they're really, really actually very, very serious injuries with hockey players, especially you see a lot of them. And a lot of it is, is, is definitely because of, if there's a slip on the ice and the player's leg goes, the break actually, not the break, but the, the, the um, yeah, I guess you could call it the break will happen. Look, at yeah, the it's, it's small, small fractures, right? Yeah. You can, sure. I mean, and they're yeah. really, really bad. So it's not just a roll of the ankle. You're actually, you could really mess up a whole lot of stuff in that part of the leg where, you know, high ankle, as you call it. The shame for Allison, I guess, more than anything, and, and, and honestly for the team is that, the way that he played at the end of, of his rookie campaign gave people a lot of hope for what he could be because he looked like a versatile enough guy that he could play maybe into a middle six role at, at worst. He could bring some scoring pop and, and definitely was willing to get into the dirty areas to get in and involved in dirty goals at the net front. So to see him, you know, right as camp is about to start, suffer an injury that, as you mentioned, could be nagging and, and could be a, a an issue. They don't really have a guy who kind of fits that role in the same kind of, of way, um, unless you're, I guess, going to rely more on a, a Derek Brassard who was brought in here as a, as a late addition. I mean, does this now kind of speak to the, the value and the importance of Chuck Fletcher going out and acquiring a guy like Brassard, you know, at a very low cost at the end of the offseason? Go ahead, Andy. I mean, you can take a shot at it. I'm just saying, I I, I, I like Broussard, and I like the way that he played for AV before when he was in New York. I don't know if you can recreate, you know, like that young big body going to the front of that, but there's certainly those are moves that were intended for um, injury situations, right, Anthony, as the season yeah. goes on. So, I mean, I, I like having a veteran to be able to place in that role. I think Wade Allison's got a very good future ahead of him, but that's why you have these guys in here now, you know, as, as uh, different roles when they were predominantly in their career. Uh, but the, you have to have veteran help. And especially in the case of injuries, I'd rather have a veteran guy on a cheaper contract coming in to fill in than, than another young guy coming up. That's not adept to the league or doesn't have knowledge of other players around the league. Yeah. That's a good point. And, and I think what, what you, if you listen to AV talk um, on, uh, on Wednesday, when he spoke, um, he said that, you know, the, the, the flexibility that they have 
have with a guy like Scott Lawton is, is who we referenced more than anything else is that you could put Lawton out on that wing and now Nate Thompson fills in as your definite fourth line center where maybe it was a little bit more of he's the 13th forward, use him on certain times in and out. Now all of a sudden you, you, you're not replacing a veteran, uh, uh, well, re- replacing a player that you had in your top nine with a young player, another young player, you're replacing him with a veteran in a lot of ways. So that's the, because of the flexibility that they have. Um, yeah, the only real young guy who comes in in this in this scenario is Frost uh, for Hayes. Um, but at the, but otherwise, you're really looking at this being still a veteran coming in. Um, and so you talk, you mentioned Broussard. Broussard's probably going to be your three C. Uh, with Thompson at 4C um, and uh, and Lawton kind of moving into Allison's role uh, on that third line wing. So um, uh, that's probably how it's going to be. Um, but I, you know, I mean, I, this is why you have camp, right? I mean, this is one of the things we talked about, Bunny, is about, you know, they know what they have. They know they have a plan going in. They know what their lineup's going to be. But if you have an injury or you have somebody that has to get, you know, something happens to somebody, that's why you have this camp to see, all right, who can fill in if we need them to fill in. There's no question about it. And, and, I, and, I, and I also, you know, a lot of it will fall, uh, you know, to what the coach wants too. I think AV realizes in a lot of ways that uh, I don't, I hate to say it's a make or break year on him, but he, you know, he's in on his third year for the team and he's listen, historically, he's been a guy that's liked veteran players. Uh, and he does, you know, people say, Oh, it's not true. He does. He likes his veterans. He'd rather play a veteran over a kid. Um, and, and understandably so sometimes guys, he's had a lot of success with some eight, with some older teams he's had over the years, but yeah, I, just for me, I mean, if you can get a guy like at a, at a very fair price and he's going to be able to just slot him in, you don't worry about him. Uh, I think those guys are, are invaluable for your team at this point. And that's Broussard. Uh, you know, Lawton is such a flexible player, both, uh, Russ and Anthony, you know, that I, I think he does so many things so well. I think Scotty's biggest thing this year for me, will just be finding that level of consistency night after night, you know, that sweet point where his game is just really good every night it's not like great one night and just okay another he needs I think he could be a really good player every single night um but yeah I I like the veteran moves that that they brought in it's it's a it's a much better replacement for me on a team that you want to try to continue climbing through the year to make the playoffs to give yourself a consider yourself a contender you're going to have to have a good mix of veterans more so than, than younger guys to fill in through injuries this year. And there will be a lot of injuries this year. Again, guys, I think yeah. last year and the, the timing, everything with COVID, the shutdown, the restart, the quick summer, I think there's going to be a multitude of injuries around the NHL this year. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's interesting. And we talk about, well, who steps in and who goes plays where, um, you know, the first groups on the ice, uh, and, and they they hopped on right before we we started uh, recording this morning. Um, and while m- m- there's a lot of guys out there that are you know phantoms players, and you know not, we're not really looking at them as uh, you know legit contenders for a lineup. It's interesting to say, okay, well here's here's your, your couple of lines that, that are together: uh, Giroux, Couturier, Konechny, Lindblom, Broussard, Atkinson. Uh, and then on the defensive side, Provorov and Ellis and Yandel and Braun, as expected. Uh, is it fair to say, Chris, that this is this is kind of you know, you know what AV's initial plan is? Is that this these are the guys he wants to see together? And then you know if it doesn't work here through the preseason, then maybe make a change. But this is kind of the idea that they want to go into the season with. I don't think with those two lines and those two pairs. AV will not waste one single day 
tinkering around with like maybes. He's going to come in on day one and he's going to try to give everybody, uh, here's what I want. Here's what we think is going to work. Now go out and prove me right or prove me wrong. And then you make changes from there. You know, so, you know, there's a lot of wild cards in that top group, you know, like connecting needs a huge bounce back year uh, after a good start, you know, and he's again, a guy that they're willing to continue taking a shot at, right. To put him up in those two lines. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of guys that I think that are uh, probably been talked to already over the summer or before camp and, and just being told, Hey, we need more out of you. We need you to be better. We're going to put you up at the top of those, uh, uh, the top of the lineup. But, you know, those are, those are some of the moves uh, that they, they're trying to find that chemistry right off the hop. And, and, you know, some coaches are different. Some teams have more young guys in uh, this is, is, you know, with the moves that Chuck's made this summer, that's more of a veteran laden type of group. So that's why they're going to put the lineup together. And I would assume that with some of the young guys, that'll if, if you what you see right now, now Anthony, when you're looking at you behind you, probably if there was a real game tomorrow night, those would be the lines that you'd have starting in that game, based right. on what he's doing. There's no no messing around. Yeah, no time. There's no time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So and then just uh, so everyone knows, uh, the later group that's going to be out um, in the afternoon uh, is going to have Morgan Frost centering JVR and Joel Farabee. Um, and then it looks like it's going to be Lawton with, with uh, Sandine. No, right. um, maybe, I don't know. I, we don't, I, I haven't gotten that fourth one. I know who's in that group. I have the paperwork here, but they haven't, they don't have the lines together. I do know though, for a fact that it's going to be Frost between Van Riemsdyk and, and Farabee. That's I, I was told that yep. they had Lawton in the middle there though, right? Anthony? I'm not, not, not Lawton, Frost. Between yeah, Frost, but the other line, did you suspect Lawton was in the middle on whatever that mix was? Well, I don't know. I mean, because that, that other group consists of Nate Thompson and, and Nick Albe-Kubel. Uh, you got a bunch of centers in that group. Um, you know, Connor Bunneman can play center. Um, and the rest of the guys are, are minor leaguers. But, I mean, so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, Whoa, whoa, Anthony, Anthony, don't besmirch the name of Herman Rubsov, who's, you know, poised for yet another fantastic camp. Jesus. Is he here? He's here. Yeah, he's, he's, he's there. Like a, he was like our first round pick like nine years ago. <laughs> I don't think it was that long. I think it's been, I think it was 16. Was it 16? Yeah, he was I think it was like four, four or five years ago. Yeah. I was it's, only uh, wrong it's, four or five years. It's yeah. listen, it's it's worked out, worked out really well to this point. A, an yeah, excellent yeah. use of a first round pick. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So um, anyway, so yeah, so that kind of explains it. I mean, that's the you know, the lines that you're seeing, he's he wants to get this started right away. He wants to build chemistry right away. He talked about that yesterday too, during his presser about how it's important to to you know get people comfortable with one another right off the bat and not wait. Uh, into the season to find that to find that uh, chemistry between players is it concerning to you guys that for the amount of overhaul they've had that that they're going back presumably to the the Giroux Couturier Konechny line to start camp like we know that there's chemistry there right like they they've played x number of games together in regular season and in the the postseason like if Vino is going to continue to go with the idea of pairs of forwards that he wants to keep together, which is fine. And he talks about it all the time. Like, doesn't it make sense that at least in the initial stages of camp to, to try to mix and match some of those guys, some of the other newer players on the team to try to build chemistry in camp so that when inevitably you have to blow up the lines early in the season, there's at least some baseline understanding between the players. Like I, I, I don't totally understand what the, the idea is, behind rolling out that 
that line in particular to start camp. Before you answer that, Bundy, I'm going to say this, and, and then you can tell me if I'm wrong. I, first of all, I don't think that I think that we put way too much into who's paired with who, what the lines are. I think I think that's something that's really more of a discussion for us than it is for the players and, and the coaches and the team. I mean, yeah, obviously you want to find chemistry, but the, it changes so many times during a season that I don't necessarily think that it's, it's that important that you have to f- create secondary chemistry or tertiary chemistry with guys, you know, before the season begins, because you're eventually going to play with those guys anyway. Um, a, a lot of that really is just uh, role responsibility, right? Right, Bundy? It's more about uh, you're, you're the F1, you're the F2, you're the F3, and it doesn't matter who really you're playing with, you got a responsibility and you have to do that job. There's no doubt. And, you know, but they're, they're trying. I, I also understand what Russ is saying, too, because to me, it, it, it's almost like a um, there's been so much talk of turnover and change. Right. Like in the summer and we got to make the playoffs. And and this has been such a there, I mean, listen, this has been a, a 10 year after they made the finals, which the miracle year, uh, the shootout. It's been a, it's been a roller coaster for 10 years. It has. Mm-hmm. And, and there's been it's been uneventful. It's been there's been some good times to root for this team. And there's been times where you're like, what is going on? Um, I do understand what Russ is saying, Anthony. I also understand your point where you're like wheeling out the same old group again, you know, like the same old we're in we're out leadership group that's at the top. And that problem is a perception alone in that, and that those are the guys that have been there. Now, Coots got himself a, an extension and Jerus is the captain of this team. So I think from that standpoint, you're putting the two biggest um, pictures for the rest of the group as a leadership, the leaders of that team. So it's almost like it's, it's put together to say, hey, here's where we're starting. These are the guys that are, gonna, are, are supposed to take us to the promised land. But I, and I understand that, Anthony, where you're just trying to get into some modes where you're saying, hey, you know, we're positioning here. You know, you're on the boards. You can get pick up, help work with the defenseman down low. Yeah, there's a lot of the X's and O's involved. But I do understand also that 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 does come with a lot to the fan base with a lot of uh, some good memories and some not so good memories either of what's gone on um, at, at the, ten, the top of the tenure of, of the leadership group. You know, this team of the inconsistencies that we've seen in the last several years. Speaking of leadership groups, <laughs> some big news taking place oh. uh, in the NHL as we were just as we were. Uh... Uh, getting ready to start recording this morning. And I, I, I feel like it's something that we need to talk about because the last time I remember this happening happened here. <laughs> um, but in Buffalo, uh, general manager Kevin Adams stripped Jack Eichel of the captaincy this morning. Um, basically because there's a, a rift between Eichel and the team. Um and Adams had some negative things to say about, about Eichel as a leader. And they just basically took the C away from him today. And it's obviously going to send shockwaves through the NHL. Um, but we experienced that here before Bundy, you were, you were part of that squad that, that took the captaincy away from Eric Lindros and gave it to your partner, Eric Desjardins. Uh, I guess, first of all, before we get to that, I didn't take the C from him. <laughs> <laughs> well, the organization, the organization did it. You were, you were part of the, you were part of the process there. Right. Uh, let, let's talk, let's talk about Eichel first. Then maybe you can make the comparison to what it was like back then. What, you know, what you guys experienced when they took it away from Eric. Yeah. I mean, 
the first thing I saw, I saw Russ's <laughs> Russ's tweet, and it was like, oh my god, they took the C away and didn't trade him. <laughs> I'm like, it happens. Trust me, it happens. Yeah. Yeah, that was, you know, I go back to those days and, you know, I, I told you guys I've been writing a book and a lot of the stuff that a lot of the stories of those late 90s and that incident is, is very much part of it. But, um, <clears throat> you know, first of all, you, you have to I think you have to consider everybody involved here. Uh, on, so let's say there's four parties involved. Kevin Adams, Bob Clark, Jack Eichel and Eric Lindros. First of all, Lindros is a far better hockey player than Eichel. And uh, you were dealing with higher superstar status. The other thing you had is Bob Clark, who was the ultimate superstar status, who's the first son of Philadelphia hockey and the greatest, probably the considered the greatest leader in the history of pro sports. One of them, certainly. Right. You had a guy when we were here that had belittled and called out a trainer who and you guys know who that a trainer is as much a teammate as Eric Desjardins was a partner to me. Mm -hmm. When you decide that you're going to go after the little guy, the little trainer for whatever you got built up inside of you, um, you're going to lose a lot of people. The other side of that though, is that when you're dealing with a guy who has, who's a force like Eric, both, you know, in terms of popularity and, and, and player on the ice, you have to be an equal or bigger which Bob Clark was to Lindros to be able to rip that C off in front of cameras and so on another great leaders, the C on his Jersey. And as you said, my partner, the only Bob Clark could have done that here in Philadelphia, right? Because the fans were so enamored. A lot of people didn't really know what went on behind the scenes with Eric. And I think that that became, that became a focal point. People did want to know this case right here is an interesting one because I look at it like, okay, you have a malcontent. And Ross, this is to what you're saying too, but, but the, the trade stuff, Kevin Adams should have just traded him. Kevin Adams is not Bob Clark. To me, he's put himself on notice with a Buffalo ownership that has no problem firing coaches and GMs. Like it's uh, you know, opening the doorknob. I don't know what he's thinking. I really don't. I mean, if that's what GM training gets you to, to become uh, somebody who's going to strip the seed from your captain and you really weren't any kind of decorated player or the, the head of that Buffalo organization, it'd be different if Pat LaFontaine did it. Seriously, when he played in Buffalo. He's not, though. Kevin Adams isn't Bob Clark. Bob Clark is, is a guy that was passionate about the things he saw and believed in. He believed in the core of a team. Nobody was ever more important than the team. I think Kevin Adams is trying to send that message, but, boy, he's got to walk a real fine line, guys, in my opinion. As for Eichel... He's clearly a malcontent. Get rid of him. Somebody will take him. He hates Buffalo. That's all it is. It's clear he does not like the city of Buffalo and wants out. So trade him. Don't rip the C off him if it's going to tick people off. And the other problem you're going to have is you're going to have a lot of other GMs now asking, wow, if he's this bad of a guy. You know, the whole thing with Eric and the C and when he went away, he got devalued. Like, we got a bunch of junk from New York, if you really want the honest truth, because we waited too long. I mean, you could say oh, you got Kim Johnson, and you know, it's great and everything we did. Um, but in terms of the trade, you're never going to get your value back for that player by stripping the C and getting into a public war with them. And that's what I think is going to end up happening here. You're going to piss the player off. You're going to make him even more of a malcontent. And now he's going to be even more of a detriment to your locker room and your organization. Trade him, Kevin Adams. It was a dumb move to rip off the C without the trade. Well, I mean, and that that's the problem, right? Like the, the reason that I put that tweet out wasn't as if I, I was saying that it's an unprecedented move to strip the C, but it was we knew going into this off season that Eichel wanted out. We knew that there was bad blood between his camp and the organization because 
you know, he reportedly wants to get this um, disc replacement surgery that's never been done on an NHL player. And, you know, there are questions about the the likelihood of him ever being able to play again if he gets that surgery. There's also a question, and, you know, maybe it's a conspiracy theory, but I love throwing out conspiracy theories, that maybe you throw that surgery out there as an idea in an effort to try to strong arm Buffalo to get rid of you. And, and ultimately you land in a new city and you say, you know what? I'm playing for the Rangers now. And I, I don't think I need the surgery. I, I like their medical staff better. I like the opinion that I'm getting from them better. We knew going into the off season that there was no interest on Eichel's part to be a member of the Buffalo Sabres. We watched Buffalo trade out numerous players, including Ristolainen who came here, Reinhardt who went South, like, it's not as if Buffalo thinks that they're contending. It's not as if Buffalo is in any kind of, of real position to, to be a factor in the Eastern Conference. When you have a malcontent who, in theory, you know, if he's healthy, can be like, what, a top 10-ish player? I think Anthony and I have bantered back and forth about before. He's got the raw skill. It's just a matter of putting it together. When you have all those things working together and you ultimately opted not to trade him, and I do not believe for one second that there is not a single team in this league who did not go to Buffalo in the offseason and offer something of, of real value prior to or, or after the draft, you, you chose to walk away from any potential offer. And you, to your point, have now cratered Eichel's value even more because now it's no longer just the injury concern. It's no longer just the rumors of maybe him being a malcontent you have done arguably the most demeaning thing you can do to any leader on a team in stripping the sea it it's as if buffalo has decided that they're going to self-sabotage and and honestly the craziest part of this is now the subsect of the buffalo fandom that wanted to see eichel moved because he's a malcontent have now been given, you know, a, a totally different way to look at this in that any vitriol they might have held towards Eichel for wanting out dissipates because who the hell would want to play for a team that just stripped you of the sea? Like Buffalo has actually done everything in their power to put the heat on themselves. It, like you have to, you, you have to try to F this up and somehow they've done it. You know what they say, uh, Russ, Buffalo's not the end of the world, buddy but you can see it from there. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, uh, I kind of agree. I hate, I never really liked the city of Buffalo when we, when we went up there. That'd be one of the worst road trip places, right? Bundy in this, in the league. Dude, every time I got the calendar every year for the schedule, I'd look and see when we played at Buffalo. And then I'd get to the hotel room and I'd lock myself into when the game started the next night and try to blindfold myself on the way out to the parking lot for the bus. <laughs> And imagined I was in Tampa. <laughs> guys, why is Buffalo so bad? What what's so what's so wrong you know, with Buffalo? I'm gonna tell you guys a story with Buffalo. And you know what? I, I love the people of Buffalo. Like, I mean, it's almost they're almost Canadian, like they're great. Yeah. Buffalo's downtown is terrible. It's it's god awful. Right. The buildings look like they need to be washed. It's just it's a it's a pit. But if you talk to the players that played in Buffalo, and me and Keith Primo used to laugh about this because his brother played, right? Wayne Wayne played in, in Buffalo. He's like, I love it here. Like, it's unbelievable. And we, me and Primo are like, look at each other like, really? Like, I guess you're not living downtown then. And that's the part, guys. That's where that's what it is. These surrounding yeah. areas are beautiful. And they yeah. are. Plush lands. They have, like, wine country just a little north, uh, you know, like towards Niagara Falls. 
but it's downtown Buffalo, which is the only place the pro teams see, right, Anthony? Right. We travel, we is, travel is, and get into town. And I mean, the hotel rooms, dude, are like, you may as well pull up to a Motel 6. Yeah. That's what it looked like sometimes, the hotel <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no, I, Buffalo was always my least favorite spot on the road of any, yeah. of any city. Same here. Uh, hand, hands down, hands down. Uh, um, the island, I didn't like the island either, but at least it was something you just, the reason I didn't like that is because more of the drive. I, we drove there, right? You, got, you guys had, I guess, love, had the I love the island. I used to love when we started flying to the island. Yeah. The flight was 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Was, the bus ride was 40 from the Farmingdale Airport, Farmington Airport. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. That's funny. I want to throw one uh, thing out to you guys really quickly because, yeah. because this, this came up obviously in the off season because it, it, it is a massive glaring issue with Eichel's contract and, and like maybe being part of the reason why more teams didn't get involved. Although th- this is the thing that bothers me, right? Like I, I do not like the New York Rangers. I don't like New York teams. But I like when New York teams are good and Philadelphia teams are good because I think it's good for the respective leagues. I think that like when you have a team that plays at the garden and is good, it's good for a league. And, and to me, the idea of seeing a, a long-term now, it looks like it's kind of budding flyers and Rangers rivalry getting elevated by Eichel going there because there, there really seem to be no interest on the flyers part. You look at a contract, where this guy's going to be making $10 million uh, to, I guess, play or not play for Buffalo. This is the final year of his deal before a no movement clause kicks in. And then he's got four years of that no movement clause staying at $10 million. Like when, when you think about the position that this team has painted itself into the corner, it's painted itself into, I I mean, that's just another level to this now is the no movement clause. And is the fact that it's 10 million and there aren't teams with a, a ton of cap space. Is there any reason to believe that if you're about to enter camp, and I'm not just saying for the Flyers, just in general, if you're the GM of a team and you believe that Jack Eichel can dramatically increase the likelihood that your team goes to whatever the next level is, bubble playoff team to a solid playoff team, or out of the playoffs to maybe being a bubble team, do you consider making a move blowing up really what in theory would be your early training camp chemistry, just because you think that this guy can really impact your team in a positive way. Is there any thought to that? Or do you think that the situation is just so toxic that no GM is going to want to come within, you know, two miles of it. Somebody will take them. I mean, if they, you find the right buyer, I mean, there'll be, there'll be teams that would love to have them Uh, again though. But uh, you know, if you're a GM right now and you you have to, you have to look at it from a standpoint of um, you know, how healthy is he? That would be my first question. Put the money to the side. They'll figure out a way to make that happen if that's the case, because you know anybody would be willing to pay that for a guy who could change you know your market, the look of your entire market, you know through sales of jerseys and uh, bringing more meaning to your team. And if that's the Rangers, yeah, Eichel would certainly be better suited in a place like New York for sure, or Boston or whatever. That's his hometown area, but. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm more concerned with the actual, you know, where he's at, the injury and the future of that injury. Uh, I do like what you said, though, too, Russ, about the, the fact that, uh, you know, this he could just be all of a sudden nothing's, you know, he's feeling a lot better than he was, right, if he got traded. It might just be a push to get him out of there. But if that, if that is the case, it's, it's a mess all around because you've, you've really created – you took a malcontent and you put a malcontent now on steroids, and then the general manager has made himself – 
you know, put up for question of like, what's going on for real? What kind of guy is this guy? Uh, what am I missing here? So I don't know. They, he should have been gone. He should have been gone three months ago with the draft or whenever they had the yep. draft. And, and that should have been the end of it. They shouldn't be dealing with nobody. Nobody wants to deal with a captain as a player getting a C stripped on the opening day of training camp. I, I, I'd still trade for him. If I, I was, a, if I was a GM, I mean, obviously his, his, um, his value is down. So you probably not, are not giving up as much as you would normally have to. So you give, you, you take the chance and, and see, you know, hope that he's healthy. And then if not, yeah, you know, then you, 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 you took a gamble and you lost, but I think it's a worthwhile gamble. I think it's a gamble that makes a lot of sense. I, the difficult would, thing is trying to clear the cap space on this team. Well, to, you couldn't do try to make flyers. it work. I don't know if it would work with the flyers, but I'm, yeah. I'm saying that if a team, I mean, there are teams that can make it work. There are teams that have a, 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 an abundance of cap space that could bring in a player that can make, you know, maybe try and get an attraction to their, to their fan base. Um, you know, I would have to really look at it. I mean, but I would think, well, you know, yeah, so right now you, you, uh, you teams, pulled up? teams that, yeah, teams that have, um, I, I believe Ottawa actually is two and a half million under the cap floor which is obviously bad. Um, they've got 23 million in cap space. And you want to talk, got... talk about a you, you want to talk about a team with a lot of young players and prospects? The Ottawa Senators. And yeah. I think that they're going to get better. I think they're getting better. I think that would be a nice fit actually for a guy like Eichel. And then to round this I don't even know if he'd want to go there. That's a whole different thing now, too. Like, if he doesn't like Buffalo, he probably is not going to like crossing the Canadian border 40 times or whatever it is, 30 times a year. Yeah, going back and forth through the stuff. I'm just saying, I'm that's you know, Ottawa's a great. You are right; they're going to be a contender in a few years. I guarantee it. Let me throw out. Let me throw out a crazy idea because when you look at this, it's you know, Vancouver's got just under 14 million. Detroit, uh, Jersey, Columbus, Anaheim, Arizona, Nashville. The Rangers do have 10 million in cap space. What about Seattle? Does it make sense? Like one of the things that I think people were so surprised by was the the decisions that were made in the expansion draft were the, was the fact that Ron Francis was unwilling to take on Boku Bucks, you know, to to try to facilitate moves um, and get draft compensation back. Like, does it make any sense? Seattle doesn't really have. I mean, I would argue doesn't really have a an elite face of the franchise. Like, does it make sense potentially for Seattle to wade into these waters? No pun intended and try to, to get a face of the franchise in Eichel, who really is a distressed asset. I actually like that. Uh, the more I never, I just never thought of that. And it does make a lot of sense for us. Yeah. I mean, if Seattle can pull that off somehow, I mean, I thought that they, you know, in terms of where they are compared to when Vegas did their expansion draft, like I thought Vegas was a contender right away through expansion. You know, I don't see that happening in Seattle. Like I think that was an absolute mess to be honest with you, what they did there. And um, I, I, they certainly, I mean, what, what um, the way that Vegas got a lot of veterans weren't afraid to spend, you know, they got key cogs that really had filled in and they got guys that were uh, not malcontents, but players that hasn't, hadn't risen up before, you know, uh, guys in Florida, like Marsha, uh, Marsha. So guys really stepped up and had big time uh, careers start off in Vegas, right. That they hadn't had in other places. So see, but Seattle, yes. I mean, what a way to sell. Like if I'm the Seattle owner and I saw this today, it completely makes a lot of sense for us. You said, I mean, I would be, I would certainly be asking Ron Francis, Hey, what a move this would be to kind of get more built excitement into the Kraken in Seattle. 
than having a guy who's considered a bona fide star in this league. Long as he's long as he's healthy, though, guys, that's the key, you know. Yeah. Now, the, the fact that he has that uh, no trade clause, I, I wonder. I wonder if he's in a situation where it's like, I would completely waive it, or does he still want to have some semblance of control over where he goes and says, "Well, I'll still I'll waive it for these." seven eight ten teams you know what i'm saying like well i mean he doesn't have it now he he doesn't have this no he doesn't have it this season he has it for the next he has it for the next four beyond this so okay so they can send him wherever the hell they want it's just a matter of after that he's got a no movement clause okay i thought it was this year i'm sorry that's my mistake then no that's okay well that changed changed everything and you know what? Listen, you don't make mistakes. All right. You report it as you see it. You report it as, as it's as it's told to you. And, you know, even though I call you Aunt Sanfoni, you are not fake news. So you know, that's a that's another that's a thing, positive. guys, too, that I find interesting. Like if you get a guy and you got him on a no movement, right? Let's say he's an mm-hmm. aging player or whatever. You're like, oh, he's got a no movement. If I'm the general manager and I got a guy who's got a no movement, and I want to get rid of him. I call him in the office and say, we don't want you here anymore. Where do you want to go? That's it. Just tell them you don't want you don't want we don't want you on the team anymore. I don't care how long you've been there, whatever it is. It's business. And they get too, there's too much hangups in these no movement clauses where everybody, you know, hangs by, you know, on, on a thread by what, what goes on with them. You can get out of those things. You just have to be probably honest with the player because the players and agents hang up teams so much on these no movement clauses. It's unbelievable. It really is. I think that's probably a, a pretty decent spot to to stop for today. Uh, and looks like and looks like they're about to storm the press box or the the press room. No, uh, actually, worth they, have, worth, they, have, they have to do dry land first before we're able to talk to the players mm-hmm. today. So worth noting, based on a conversation that we had last week, we were told a week ago that there would be locker room access for training camp, and then last night, I believe, we got an email uh, from the uh, Pro Hockey Writers Association saying that boy oh boy have things changed, and that now it's going to be on a team by team basis. Um, as of an email this morning from the Flyers, it appears that the locker room is closed to the media. Um, again, not trying to start the COVID argument, but the media who's down there is fully vaccinated and is wearing masks at all times. They theoretically would go into a locker room full of players who are fully vaccinated and wearing masks. That's not safe, but... In New Jersey, those players could then go out to a bar where unvaccinated people are freely walking around without masks and go have a few beers. And that's fine. But people who are trying to do their jobs in the media who are fully vaccinated and fully masked, well, that's just too dangerous for the National Hockey League. Can anybody make sense of that? 107,500 people at the whiteout at Penn State. I was at the Eagles game the next day where there was only 70,000 there. Most of them I didn't know, no masks on. Um, yeah, I don't get it. I'm vaccinated. I'm most, I mean, most people I know now are vaccinated, but I, and I know yeah. we have to be to be around the team. I, 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 you know what, guys, I've given up trying to figure it out anymore in terms of all of that. I'm not, it's just too frustrating to get into because I, I don't understand any of the rules because none of it. My point to you was there was 107,500 people at Happy Valley the other day. I wonder how many came from Philadelphia. Right. I wonder how many are in the building right now at the skate zone that were at the Penn State Whitehawk game last week. You're right. That's mm-hmm. possible. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's uh, all I, I will thought. say. I will say this. Um, you're going to see, from what I understand and what I was told this morning, 
uh, when we get the players in the um, conference room, they will be seated at the table without masks. I think it's more for more for optics than anything else. So the, those of us in the media, we have to have the masks on while we're asking the questions. But the players who are more than six feet away from us will be able to sit at the table to answer the questions without masks on, which I think is actually I, I'm good with that. I think that that's good for the fans because, you know, you're, you don't want to. I, I think it kind of bothers you if you're watching the interview on TV and you see a player sitting there wearing a mask. But if you see him sitting there without the mask on, it kind of makes you feel a little bit more comfortable. Right. Um, so I think optically, it's probably a good thing for, for the team to do it that way. But uh, yeah, once again, it kind of flies in the face of <laughs> what the whole premise of this thing is. So anyway, that's just that's just the latest update. Who knows? It's probably going to change again. It's entirely possible. You know, one thing that isn't going to change is the quality of care that you get here from the Snow the Goalie podcast. Um, I believe we had a five-star review that came in this past week who's a little bit critical. But you know what? Listen, when we read five-star reviews on this show, we promise that when people leave a five-star review, you're going to read them. Sometimes they're critical. Sometimes they're favorable. A lot of times I think they uh, – what? Before, before, before you get into it, mm-hmm. this five-star review, I believe, came, from, it came internationally because it's um, not showing up on – no, it's U.S. based. It is. It is because mm-hmm. it's not showing up on my feed. And no, I only here. get the America. I only get the America. I, I have it unless the person deleted it, but I, I have it through my podcast okay. reviews dot com. So Bundy, brace yourself and brace yourself. Five star. And I'm going to say somebody <laughs> left a two star review, but we don't read two star reviews. On, <laughs> we don't on care. Show. Yeah. <laughs> we don't one star or five stars. But like one star, I still won't read on the show, but it's fine. But five star review, critical, but we are here for it. Okay. The best pod for Negadelphians. Watch out. Watch out. I said, brace yourself. I've been listening to Snow the Goalie since the first episode. And this used to be my favorite Flyers podcast. That inherently implies that there are other Flyers podcasts, which we know isn't the case. So I'm, I'm very confused. But anyway, but the negativity has gone too far. I used to be excited when I saw a new episode drop, but now it's just what are they complaining about this week? I was excited when Bundy joined the podcast, but it seems his negativity has infected Russ and Ant to the point that the podcast <laughs> is almost unlistenable. I appreciate keeping it real, but the negative negativity of the podcast is depressing. I hope this will change soon. Thank you for taking the time to read my comment. Andrew Talley or, T- or Taley. Andrew, first of all, I want to say that I think it is admirable that you have, um, well, I, I shouldn't call you Andrew. I should call you Val. I think it's really nice that you're writing under a pseudonym to attack the show. But no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't need anybody at the Flyers complaining about our show again. I don't, I don't need it. For the love of God, stop complaining to us. Please, just stop. But I will say, I think that we were very positive in this episode. I think for the most part, we've been positive. I think that we've been negative for the most part about things that, need to be critically assessed. I think that's fair. Again, Bunny, you could say first because I'm I'm, I'm just saying like I'm I'm a positive person. Yeah. I just don't really have a whole lot of toleration for stupidity. And I will call out stupidity when I see it. If you want to call me stupid, go ahead. The best part with I think most of us in this, especially me, I mean I've been a player here, a broadcaster, you can't really hurt my feelings. I mean like that's that's a good thing. Yeah. But I'm a positive guy, and I just, I just a couple things I took issue with. Uh, you know, I, I love this team. I love the people involved. I hope they have an amazing season. I would love to be riding the back of the ladder on a fire truck, 
uh, riding down Broad Street. I would sneak on to one of those. Um, yeah, I mean, but yeah, know, the team, we, usually, the think, team, we don't, we team don't usually, say anything negative about the, the players. Like, I mean, yeah. if the, once we get into games, we'll get into the games with the players. Mm-hmm. But the stuff that we've talked about with negativity was complete stupidity on the people's parts that we were talking about. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. If this team ever does have a parade, you know, they let the media go in the parade. I have a feeling that they, that the, the, the kind of vehicle that they would put the three of us in might not be as, as nice and shiny as everyone else, but that's beside the point. Um, now, and I would say to Andrew, I would say this, I'd say, Hey bud, go back, listen to a couple episodes. Um, uh, even the last episode, I think before uh, Bundy came on, um, I, I think I predicted that the team is going to be one of the top three in the in the division. I mean, you know, it's kind of hard to say that that's not a positive take. So um, there's, I think that there's a lot to be positive about with this team going into the year. Now, of course, you know, Kevin Hayes' injury has me a little bit concerned. Wade Allison's injury has me a little bit concerned now um, for how they start. But um, at the same time, I, I still think that you, if you could survive 10 games without Kevin Hayes, I think you'll be okay. And, and the team will be, this team will be a decent team and comp- competing in the Metro. And I think it's going to be an exciting season for the fans. So, uh, you know, hopefully that's, that's the positivity that you want to hear. And Andrew, I do appreciate the fact that you've listened since day one, and I hope that you'll continue to listen going forward. And it's going to be great. We're going to have so many great things going on. I have to tell you guys about an idea that I had uh, yesterday. I was talking to somebody about a potential live event. I think it could be a lot of fun. I think it would be a blast. And I think it's something that we definitely are going to have to explore the possibility of. So um, well, anyway, we'll get into that at some point. But a uh, big thank you to everybody who listened to the show. As always, make sure you subscribe and follow the podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, really wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget you can use any smart speaker or smart device in your house. You can talk to Siri, Alexa, Google, whatever other virtual assistant friend you have, and tell it or ask it respectfully because we all know that we're eventually going to be overrun by the robots. Make sure you ask respectfully to play the most recent episode of Snow the Goalie, a Flyers podcast. And get it on your phone, on your tablet, on your computer, wherever you get podcasts. So for Bundy at Cetarian6 on Twitter, for Ant at Ant Sanfilly on Twitter, I'm Russ at Joy on Broad. Follow us there. Keep the conversation going and make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Snow the Goalie and Facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie. We'll be back next week with yet another glorious and positive episode of Snow the Goalie.